Oh yeah, here we go, practice acquisition. There are pitfalls throughout the entire process. If you wanna buy a practice, this is how, folks. Acquisition Unscripted, the truth when buying and selling a dental practice. And now your host, Michael Dencio. All right, all right, guys. Welcome, welcome. Another episode. Of course, I'm Mike Dencio, founder, co-founder of Next Level Consultants. And uh, today we got a really special guest. I know everybody's special, special guest, special guest. Maybe a, a unique or an extra, extra special guest. Um, someone I'm excited to introduce here in a minute. Um, but before we get into that, let's just address the weird obvious that I am missing my beard. And for those that watch my program on YouTube, yes, this is Mike Dincio. It looks strange. Just Let's just go with it. I'm doing a, a procedure uh, and it required that I lose my beard. And it is November to put a timestamp on and uh, Julian told me that, you know, no, no shave, uh, November. I did the opposite and I shaved during the no shave moment. So without, without further ado, I'm bringing in my friend, uh, Julian Quelo. Quelo. Uh, I'm totally butchered that probably, but, uh, with Kane Waters and Associates folks, you, you know, this powerhouse in the industry, they are a, a firm that needs no introduction, but, uh, focuses a lot, of course, in the accounting and personal financial planning. And um, today I have this guy who interviews all new um, clients to the firm. So he gets a unique perspective of onboarding everybody. He's got a, uh, an investing, I think, uh, background and an accounting and background, of course, which is key to this role. But we got a unique perspective today with someone with uh, Kane Water. So Julian, thanks for, the sh- for coming on, man. Thanks for, the sh- for being here. Yeah, great, great to see you, even though I hardly recognized you when I jumped in the room with that beard. I was trying to think of the last time we ran into each other. and Randomly, you know, by the way. Randomly. Oh my, how many things had to go right for us to find each other in downtown Dallas, midnight, on, on like a Friday night. Yes. None of us live in Dallas, you know, for the record, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's awesome to see you again, man. So, so you, you had this crazy like flight and thing, and it was just like this you were going into this hotel that I happened to be <laughs> staying at and I was doing yeah. the trade show in, te- in Texas. And of course, uh, right. having, having some fun with some friends and, um, there he was just randomly. It's just super cool to see on screen though. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and the excite guys who you've had on as well. I mean, the, the whole crowd was there. It was, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely some serendipity, but yeah. Totally. Yeah. So tell, so tell us, like, for those that aren't familiar with Kane Waters, um, what what are you guys all about, and what what do you do for the organization? I I said no no introduction needed, but I'm sure there's some people out there that that needs the introduction. So go for it. What what are you guys all about? What do you what, what you know? Give us the 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 thirty second pitch. Yeah, yeah. Kane Waters definitely needs a, a bit of a runway to to explain because when you think of Kane Waters, yes, big dental, quote unquote, dental CPA firm, right? Uh, Take care of just under 3000 dental practice owners. But the draw to the firm is not so much that, hey, I need someone to produce a tax return, right? 
um, because we can get that reliably in a lot of places. Um, you know, we work with a lot of great local CPAs. It's, it's more so that, hey, I've outgrown my CPA, I've outgrown my attorney. I need something that's going to act more as a function of, of strategy as opposed to just straight up compliance, right? So our job is to really, I mean, be there as almost like a CFO in a way when doctor owner is at a crossroads and they're, they're trying to understand how do I pursue this next leg of my, my career um, or how do I make you know, my personal finances really match up with where my practice is going. Mm. Um, so, so advisors for hire, which is kind of the opposite of a local CPA, right? Usually consulting is like the add-on of any white collar firm, right? You go mm -hmm. there for maybe tax prep and consulting is the back end. Mm -hmm. Well, K-Modders is the opposite. You know, we hire folks with the intent of being advisors first, and then, you know, tax prep and basic accounting might come after that. So CFOs for hire for, for lots of dental practices. Well said. Well said. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I always say it like, you know, anybody can tell you where your profit is or what your numbers look like. Um, but it's, it's what you do with that information is key. Like that's the world I live in in consulting where anybody says, Hey, look, man, your wages are 40%. They, they really need to be high twenties, but, but how do you fix that? And that's the world I live in and practice management, right? And you right. live, and then you live on the other end that once you get your wages down and you've got a little extra money in your pocket, then it's the, what do you do next? So it's, it's not net, the magic isn't in the number telling you the what, but it's really what you do with it once you hopefully executed it. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's a really good way to look at it. You know, if we've got 40% staff cost, right? I mean, to what end, right? Is it really because you have the most amazing staff ever and you want to take care of them and they're all value additive? Or is it that you would just have some really inefficient people on the team, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's for someone like like you to come in and say, hey, you know, this is what's what. Um, and, and for King Waters, I mean, we there's no cookie cutter approach to analyzing practice or any client, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. different. So it's, you know, hey, first of all, establish what we're shooting for. Mm -hmm. And then are these incrementally increasing expenses actually getting us there in a straight line path and when we get up there otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, to, to your point, consulting, it's, it's so much more broad than just coming in and saying, reduce your staff costs by 50%, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's just a ton of nuance there, yeah. And I will say too, like, there's definitely this... <laughs> There's this word in the industry, and even I use it sometimes, is it's called the dental tax. You ever heard that? The dental tax. Um, you know, anybody that does stuff for dentists, they you can you can get thrown into this category of like, oh, they're more expensive because the dental tax, right? And so and there actually there absolutely is those scenarios. The the reality though is you don't get to your size, Kane Waters, if if you're just a dental taxer. <laughs> taxer, you 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 guys help your clients achieve their goals financially. It kind of starts at the accounting and goes up from there. Um, and I love that. And so um that it, that is, you know, these guys are not taxers in that way. They're they are on another level of advisory, and um, they they don't just do the basics. So be careful of the 
the dental taxers. It has to be something special about those people to earn a little extra. Otherwise, the local schmo that might not be dental specific could get the job done, actually. So you have to really right. ask yourself that, right? Right, right. And yeah, so the first firm I worked out of out of college was just dental medical accounting, right? And it was a great place to learn. But at the end of the day, what we were doing was basic tax preparation. You know, we knew the buzzwords of Benco and Shine, might have known what a crown was, but you know, to our earlier point, like to, to what end, right? It was if you want a successful accounting, you know, bread and butter tax prep firm, just you know, seemingly say you're you're dental specific and all your clients are great cash flowing clients. But for Keen Waters, it's, you know, hey, if we're gonna know, you know, how many crowns we have to mill to break even on the SARAC or something like that. I mean, that is more than just a tax prepper, right? Um, and, you know, that, that kind of advice uh, might be more than a little bit, right? Than the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you have enough going on, that, that, that definitely makes sense to, to make that investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, those are the conversations I have every day is, hey, is there enough complexity here that it makes sense to, to make this investment in a firm like Kane Waters? Yeah. All right. Enough about how amazing you guys are, because you are amazing. <laughs> Let's get into some meat. Let's get into some meat. So uh, this is an acquisition program. And I sent a lot of clients to you guys. um, You've shared some with me. Thank you, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's because of the mutual respect we have in each other. And we've earned that. Um, So let's get into some acquisition stuff. So when, when we're working through an acquisition, like how important is it to have somebody like you guys there to catch them when they get the keys for operation. Like I own now and I've never been a business owner before and it's all coming at me at once. I'm I'm just trying, you know, as the as the listener, I'm just I'm just trying to win over my team and I'm just trying to win over the patients mm-hmm. and I need help with all this other business stuff. So so yeah. So that kind of leads the witness a little bit, but how important is it to have a firm like you guys help in that scenario and keep it to, to acquisition specific because the startups go through different things. Acquisition goes through different things and established practice owner has other things, right? So how would right. you answer that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you've acquired a practice, you've bought a lot of systems that are already pretty functional, Right. I mean, you've bought the goodwill of, of the seller, you bought the staff, right? And a lot of things are already kind of on autopilot if you have a staff that really believes in, in you as a buyer, right? So it's it's pretty rare, honestly, where that buyer recognizes, I, I need help beyond just producing, right? And making payroll and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually quite honestly, you know, Michael, not until that first tax bill where they realize that something is not going perfectly, right? Or something mm-hmm. is not going as well as it should have. I had a conversation um, immediately before this call, someone who's had the same CPA for the past 20 years since she bought the ortho practice, right? And still doing great dentistry, right? Great practice. It's just that no one, when you, when you have a practice like that, no one really stops to tell you that, hey, this this could be being done more efficiently, right? Um, so, you know, I from where I sit, I mean, there's just so much being left on the table with tax strategy and optimizing your finances. Um, but I don't think that the 
quite honestly, the seller appreciates that mm. until they get that, that first smack in the head, which is, which is a tax bill, or they grow the practice to the point where they want to hire an associate and they, they realize, Hey, I need help in actually getting the practice to a point where this makes financial sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What are some tools you use? What are some things you, you use to, to identify some of that stuff? I know, um, of course, any specialty is a little bit different, but um, what, how, how, do you, how do you uncover, what's your process? How do you uncover those opportunities, those gold nuggets? As far as just helping new, new kind of practice owners along the way? Well, just finding that opportunity, like you said, you just get off the phone, someone, mm-hmm. you, had, you had, someone's with someone for 20 plus years as, as an accounting and you, you uncovered some opportunity. Um, yeah. What are some tools that you use or some fun things that you do with your clients uh, to find some of that opportunity for them? Yeah. So there, it's kind of in two, two parts. I mean, one is kind of technical analysis, right? Um, like it's pretty rare where I talk to someone where I don't have a tax return on hand to see, you know, Hey, what work's been done and what can we add to the mix to actually, you know, maximize some of this tax, this tax planning. Right. And that can range from pretty simple tax strategy, adding kids to the payroll, you know, running your primary residence, secondary residence back to yourself for 14 days, um, all the way up to, to very aggressive tax strategy. Right. Um, but honestly, that's the easier part. The harder part kind of falls into the second column of you know where we find these nuggets, and it's optimizing their practice towards where they want their actual personal like accumulated wealth to go, right? Because yeah. the going back to this this previous conversation I had with this ortho, it wasn't so much that she wanted the tax planning as much as she really just wanted to cut back to three days a week in clinic, right? Mm-hmm. And you know if the the most proximate business person that you have to give you advice to tell you how to reach that goal as a CPA, they're producing tax returns, right? They're not going to be the best equipped to say, Hey, let's look at new patient flow. When was the last time you raised fees? What is your case acceptance? Like, you know, let's dive into management software. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really tough to to get that out of them. It's like asking a hygienist to do surgery, right? It's just, it's really difficult. So um, it's, you know, just, the, the technical analysis is really what, what we shine at, but the harder part is kind of making sure that any changes we make actually fit, you know, practice owners, long-term goals. That's, that's awesome. I mean, you deserve the dental tax. That's as simple as that. <laughs> when you, when you're, when you're talking about case acceptance and you're talking about scheduling and you're, you're talking about um, growth strategies and it's not just, Hey, or, your tax obligation this year is X, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're in another level of, of advice advisory. So that's, <clears throat> that's super cool. Excuse me. Um, what, what are some common things that you see for buyers when they buy a practice and, you know, you might get a tax return from the seller, but here a buyer is setting up a brand new entity and you get to start it over from scratch. Like, do you learn a lot from what the seller did and what, where you're taking that your client or like what, I guess where, where would you take that conversation? Like what, where, where's the greatest need for buyers in your opinion, new, new practice owners. As far as trying to understand what's been done to the previous tax return is like evidence of, 
what we might need to, to yeah, implement yeah. Do, going forward. Do you, do you learn anything from the sellers before you head into where, a strategy for a buyer? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, first of all, from like a buyer's rep sense, right? I mean, if we take what we kind of just talked about and, hey, we take what's working and we just forecast it forward, right? Yeah, yeah. It's only reasonable that, hey, staff is used to getting a 401k. We're going to continue with the 401k, yeah. right? Staff is used to having XYZ perks. We're going to do that, whatever it is, you know, yeah. even down to the vendor level. Um, so it's really, you know, about getting the, the buyer confidence that, hey, this, this is what we call the firm, your vision, right? Um, because we, we really try not to start with clients and solving a, a really short-term goal, right? Like your supplies. We try and step back and zoom out and say, where do you want to take this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about negotiating fees or dropping an insurance or something like that, that's just a function of reaching a greater vision, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think buyers have to um, really be brave almost yeah. and say, hey, like it's okay to do things differently, right? Um, once we get down to the level of, um, some of these things that affect goodwill though, like, um, branding, you know, um, optimizing staff. I mean, that's some, some time where Kane Waters would call on someone like you to help mm -hmm. with ops and, and training. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the very least it's really empowering the buyer that, Hey, just because, you know, you're running out of a different corp or something like this, that you can really make this what you want it to be. Yeah. I, I love what you said. Um, don't be a scared. Don't be afraid of some change. So, let's mm -hmm. break the mold, buddy, and you and me on this program. If you if you listen to any acquisition specialist out there, and maybe even me on some previous talks, you know, don't change too much. But at the same time, change is okay. I love that you said that because. Um, when you when you're looking at a practice um, and you're seeing some holes and some foundational issues, some major issues, maybe it's maybe it's showing up in ARs, maybe it's maybe it is the fee schedule, maybe it's the hygiene, um, maybe it's uh, underdiagnosing. I mean, whatever it is, um, when you when you find some opportunity or some holes, you, you really do need to fill those foundational holes and and fairly quickly. I mean, you can't be afraid of, of change and an acquisition because you hear from everybody, don't change, don't change, don't change. But mm -hmm. sometimes you, sometimes you have to change. Like it, it's, it's do or die. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Um, I, yeah, I find yeah. that all the time. Do you, do you give that advice too? Well, I mean, how many times have you, I mean, Mike represented a, a buyer and, you know, valuation isn't exactly where you want it to be, but things every are time, so every time. No, I'm joking. Oh, really? I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Okay. But, but, but to your point on, on change, right? It's, hey, they're referring out ortho or implants, right? Yeah. And this is a core competency that you as a clinician have, right? Um, so, you know, if we're able to accept that we can add things and change the practice at that level, I mean, Right. I mean, as long as you, you have a team behind you that can, can back you up and say like, yes, you know, this is, this is um, something that, that's worth pursuing. Yeah. Um, I mean, is, is it really going to hurt you to change payroll providers? Right. Something like <laughs> right. pretty simple, yeah. um, especially if it saves you 1% overhead or something like this. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mechanically, 
some of those decisions aren't aren't as scary. Maybe getting new software. I mean, that's a that's quite mm-hmm. the overhaul. But if you're not digital, it could be an opportunity for you. Um, mm-hmm. That's another example. But I, you know, I'm thinking of like lately, I've been doing these small practices where they've been terribly managed, and the new buyers mm-hmm. taking them over. And, and my new client, my clients are like, oh my gosh, like, I can't, are you sure I should make this change? Well, for, you know, something as simple as like, Hey, I think we need to cut days. And I know that's aggressive, but if it's a small practice, it's not thriving at all. You're getting it for a really good value. Um, maybe cutting days is a good idea, you know, or, or if we find that a front office person, um, isn't collecting as clean, but they have all the relationships. There's a strategy there. You know, there's some certain things that are just foundational that you got to collect your money if you produce it. (laughs) Like it's as as simple as that. So, um, you see that too? Yeah. Well, honestly, it's just a matter of making the most of your time. Right. I mean, we don't want to get diminishing returns on our effort. And and we see that all the time at, at Kane Waters. Um, you know, often mature practices come to us at this inflection point where they're looking at adding that fifth day or the associate. Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge shift in lifestyle, right? And you know, really, I mean, the the conversation quickly becomes like we have to get away from this kind of hustle and maximize new patient flow. You know, maximize dollars produced, and into like how do we use more efficiently to maximize your time? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a, it's a total paradigm shift, really. So you guys are touching the fee stuff, fee schedule. We do a little bit of that. We do credentialing. We'll we'll definitely analyze a fee. But in transitions, mm-hmm. it's interesting, especially with the Delta situation. And you're talking mm-hmm. about fee negotiations and stuff. G- give me, give me some things there. Like do you, like what are you seeing in the fee world? Are you seeing people dropping fee schedules fairly quickly, or what's the strategy around? fees like what what are your clients talking about today with fees yeah yeah so you know i don't think any of our clients feel great about raising fees right um but you know let's be honest staff costs are not going to come down right um you know inflation is what it is you know we're, we're heading very likely into you know recession or something like this yeah so you know, when it comes to, to raising fees, first of all, understand what's the greater picture here, you know, it, how much are we out of network here, you know, because it's different per, per practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ability to, to raise fees right now and negotiate with, with insurance is not, not super great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of clients, the conversation unfolds to where we're talking about dropping insurance Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um so we have to talk about okay like to what end are we doing this right like there needs to be a zoom out moment here um and you know just this this is just something that needs to happen right and then you know i think you have the the client that feels a little bit bad about raising those fees Mm -hmm. um but like us as advisors we just have to you know put it back on them and say hey like you do great work right Mm -hmm. like it, it, it puts a responsibility on the dentist to provide, you know, a level of production that's, that's worthy of this 10% increase fee or whatever it is. Right? Everybody else is right now. <laughs> gas. Yeah. I mean, I just got, I mean, gas is just not coming down. I mean, we're, ta- we're timestamping this a little bit, but in, in the greater, right. in the greater good of, of that, it's, it's excellent point is like increasing fees is a normal thing. Like, 
Like, mm-hmm. like that should be part of everybody's business plan. And so many mm-hmm. sellers um, haven't looked at their fees in 10 years. And, and what a great opportunity for the buyer to come in and maybe get higher fees than the seller, because they do look at the history of the seller when you're going through the credentialing, but increasing over, over time makes total sense. I, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a point where it's almost irresponsible not to. Not right. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. So because um, wages are, you said wa- wages are not going down. So how, how are you going to offset that? And ever since the pandemic, uh, so many expenses went up and I haven't seen them come down. You guys publish a really cool report, which I think we should actually offer our listeners in the, in the description below here, folks, like go mm-hmm. download that because I use it as a consultant nationally there. The, how many did you say you represent? I mean, Den- Dennis, about 2,900. I mean, can you think of an, an organization that has more data points than 2,900 in dental? And that report, uh, why don't you talk about that report a little bit? What, let's provide that below though. Yeah. So every year we go through our accounting clients and basically average out everyone's P&L, right? And we say, hey, for the average King Water, solo GP, two doctor GP, you know, what does that top line look like? What are they netting from the practice, right? Um, and, you know, we do every specialty, um, and then we have specialty reports for ortho and pedo as well. So you can kind of see like on a non rural ortho practice, what are they paying chair side, right? Or TC or something like that. Um, and again, this is, this is where, you know, the, the dental tax, <laughs> right? I, I mean, was this is about, not, I was just about to say that anybody could use this report and call themselves dental accounting. These guys are publishing it. They, that's what I was saying is that they deserve the dental. They're the ones providing all of the other accountants, this information to benchmark, they're providing it for free. So anyway, sorry, a little plug for you guys. No, no. I mean, it's, it, it is not a, a tiny effort to put together that report and, and make it actually, you know, useful to, to practice owners. Right. Mm. Um, and internally we have more, you know, aggressive benchmarks that we use for, for every specialty. Um, but at least gives you a sense of what's going on out there. Um, and it's just, the firm's just different, right? I mean, during COVID there were days where I talked to more CPAs and lawyers than I talked to dental owners because they wanted to know what the world's going on right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, um, no. definitely like a, no, that, that, I thought that was, I think that's awesome. And I think is my Bible sometimes when I'm in something that, that I've, I haven't experienced personally, I've been in it for 15 plus years and there's stuff mm-hmm. that, that you guys get so granular with that. What are you seeing with wages? That it's a hot topic. And I, I wanted to dig into that a little bit. You've seen them grow. Yeah. Like what, tell, tell us what, what is a GP looking at for wages these days nationally and where was it? Give us some historical. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, GP is tough, right? Because there's so much diversity in the specialty, you know, um, you know, generally you're going to have that, that average practice that maybe around 23%, right. Of, of gross is what they're giving the staff. Um, so it's really up to us to say, you know, Hey, as we grow, as we increase fees, I mean, how do we get creative about bonusing people out and adding them to retirement plan and things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as wages, it's it's actually something where we consider, you know, overstaffing, 
even mm-hmm. for for our practices because again like anyone listening to this that has been a practice owner for longer than a year appreciates how difficult it is to recruit right now mm-hmm. um and really just maybe even overstaffing as a matter of a contingency plan right to understand hey you know who knows what's going to happen in, in the next year mm-hmm. um so you know staff is staff cost is one of those really tough things to walk back mm-hmm. so we, we have to really optimize on the margins yeah. um and you can get creative like i said you know can do visa gift cards and, and things like that um but you know i think anyone listening to the show thinks my market is different right mm-hmm. um and, and to a degree you know it is but but just know that i mean across the board i mean it's, it's going up right mm-hmm. um and the conversations we have with clients are more just about making sure those hygienists those treatment coordinators who are actual value adds mm-hmm. are are really being taken care of yeah. Um, well, one thing I yeah. noticed on your report is, <clears throat> is, um, the percentage per the, de- the, the department. And I think that's next level because if you look at overall wages, let's just say you, you said mm-hmm. 23, again, hard to answer for the whole entire country and situations. But if you look at hygiene, hygiene versus front versus, you know, dental assistants, um, you guys break it down a little bit more even. And I think that's pretty cool because, uh, when I'm doing my practice analysis, analyses, analysis, something like that, um, you can really see quickly like, oh, front office is out of whack, you know, or dental mm-hmm. assist. So you can sometimes get hidden in the overall number if you don't break it down. Yeah. Thank you. Basically. Thank you for giving me the breakdowns, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, look at, look, Seattle's at $65 for hygienist minimum right now. Uh, moment in time where are you guys on the East coast or, or in Texas say where you guys are located ish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, more rural markets can go either way. Right. Yeah. Either we're, and like associate pay too, for example, I mean, we, we really have to pay to keep someone happy and, and keep them around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, 65 is, is high, but it's, <laughs> I, I, I always think, you know, back to, to your point, the email you sent me the other day, it's how much is that hygienist actually producing? Right. Yeah. Which is something I really appreciate about, about your group is we can't just take this cookie cutter benchmark and apply it across the board and call it a day. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's really need to know who is invaluable. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think folks clicking into the report, um, that's just like such a good read. Um, and all specialties, like even if you're a GP, like click into the ortho report. Mm-hmm. Um, because if anything, you can appreciate the trend, right, of how things have changed year to year. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely been a crazy two years, Mike. I mean, it's, it it's, it's yeah. yeah. And things are still in flux now. I mean, yeah, like across the board for sure. And it's not going to change until something happens with the market, you know, getting, getting it back to, to square one. I, yeah, I think, I think definitely so many people came off the back of COVID after not practicing um, and it felt like things were going great. Right. And then, um, yeah. And then, you know, definitely nowadays, you know, production collections are good, but there's, there's sometimes where renewed patient flow isn't exactly matching, right. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're starting to come into perhaps a bit of a lull. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just being proactive, understanding, hey, what needs to be set aside such that if this does happen and your patients have less discretionary income, you know, we're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, um, you guys are kind of also a really good um, resource for me when I'm thinking about scaling to, to that second doctor. And, I, and you guys have a lot of big mm-hmm. practices. And I always get the conversation with my clients about like, Hey, the seller wants to stay on and work. Mm-hmm. And the, pra- and I'm thinking the practice isn't big enough, but they're thinking, yeah, but you know, they could mentor me and they can um, blah, 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 blah. And listen, I'm not saying that it's not valuable to have a seller around it. In some cases it absolutely is, but Mm-hmm. How would you define, and I've got my number. I want to hear from you. How would you define a practice that's, and I, and I know you can't be specific to one thing. You know, you've already said there's a hundred different scenarios, variables, whatever, but in generic, gen- generically, you know, just bracket here. How big does a practice need to be before you should consider a second person? I'm sure you get that question all the time. Like, what's that look like? Mm-hmm. Because if you're buying a practice and it's not big enough, you got to, obviously pay the seller for production and time. And so it becomes a cash flow issue. What are your thoughts about all that? Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for the, the pre-caveat there. You know, every, every practice is, is different. Um, you know, we, I, it's hard to, to not zoom out and to say to, to what end are we, are we doing this? I mean, because if we are really keen on having that, that second doc and us both producing four days a week, you know, $60,000, $80,000 a month, whatever it is, I mean, and we're, we're at some kind of fee-for-service office, maybe in a rural area, I mean, we're looking at adding insurance or something like this, right? And all of a sudden, you know, we're adding responsibilities to the office that weren't there before. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you really have to look long and hard at, Hey, are we just adding, you know, a second doctor's production for the sake of it? Or are we actually pursuing, you know, some kind of market opportunity that's there Mm -hmm. that is a no brainer to, to jump on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I love, see, I love that. that, See, that's the answer is you have to look at each and every situation, but I had, I I always have a bracket somewhere between 1.2 to 1.5 it almost doesn't make sense. Um, almost. It, don't, it doesn't make sense to add the associate or. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's the, because at the end of the day, you've, you know, 30% of that's going to be hygiene. Right. And so you mm-hmm. back, back that out. And, um, but then again, of course, lifestyle and all that good stuff matters as well. Like if someone only wants to work two days a week, but you, you, you have to think about, cash flow that the seller had with no debt at all mm-hmm. and um, has the wages that they have and the cash flow available to them. And then literally the day after transition, the seller is negotiating to stay on three days. And let's say mm-hmm. the practice was open five days, but the, but the new patient flow isn't there to support a doc. So essentially you're giving that seller all of the production. And then, and then you're, you're, you're getting kind of the scraps in a lot of ways. And so it's, Mm -hmm. you got to look at the production and to your point, like, where can you grow this practice and how do you support two docs? 
historically, usually it's not the case. It's just been one doc deal. And then you got the loan that you got to pay for, the buyer does. So not only is the buyer getting the loan and having to, to service that debt, but then now you also have to support the seller's production. <laughs> Practice just may not be big enough and, and you got to think about that or you're going to be broke, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure seller work back is something that you talk about and buyers rep all the time, right? Um, so if you see, you know, three day a week work back for two years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, plus debt service and, and all this. I mean, I'm doing the same level of dentistry for how much and taking this risk of a banknote for how much more in income, right? Yes, exactly. Um, like it, it, the math just doesn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's up to really savvy buyer's rep to say, you know, hey, where is, if, if that's non-negotiable, right? Then where, where's the, the extra value at? You know, we're referring things out, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or something like this, you know, is a small practice to begin with, what have you. Um, yeah, seller's work back is, is a tough one. Um, I, I talk to a lot of soon-to-be buyers and it's something they get excited about because frankly, I think there, there's some aversion to being left alone. Yeah. Like they're, they're a bit afraid. That's right. Um, That's right. So it's, you know, Hey, again, like be brave. Like you, you got this, you know, um, like you're a former B of A guy, right? I mean, you can do the production. Like we've, you figure this out, you know, you've got financing. Um, so I, I think making that clear to buyers is it t- takes a bit of work on, on our end, I think. Yeah, no, exact, exactly right. It can work. It's just um, be careful about what you put in writing. We talked to some attorneys on the program. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think we talked much about associate contracts. Maybe that's a good follow-up interview later on. But getting into an associate contract with the seller uh, can be can be a challenging one if there's no cash flow. Exactly right. And and I'm not an accountant. Just. Uh, B of A X banker that I look at these things, but, um, essentially you want to partner with folks that, um, that have the experience and and look at these things on a, on a level above just, just kind of telling you the, what not the hows and the whys behind it. I think that's where, that's where the values at is, 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 is above and below the, what, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as far as just getting back to you know, the actual dollar amounts, I think if you look at that report, which, which everyone should go check out, you know, average King Waters solo GP does around a million, right? Um, maybe netting 40%, you know, with all the ad backs and, and all these things, right? So not including your debt service as a buyer, things like that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's about where you're working as hard as you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, um, you know, if I am going to have the seller on board, like let's recognize, you know, what we're paying for that, mm-hmm. but, you know, associate some kind of value add that's not just financial, right? Like, Hey, you know, I'm going to feel much better in the next year or something like that. So as long as people know what they're paying for, yeah, um, yeah. then I, I think they appreciate that. I think they have, the buyers have a romantic idea of the seller hanging out and I get that it's safety. It's, mentorship it's uh all goodwill it's all kinds of things it's just it comes down to i hate to say it but i've going through as many transactions as i have uh, how do i say this without being you know someone just put this quote in a in a document it would be so taken out of context but 
I, I really hate to say this, but it's very true. After all these transitions, as long as the buyer comes in is as nice and accommodating, not to not being abused, but you know, you're a decent person. You're not doing anything crazy. You try to follow somewhat of what the seller did, but also, you know, trying to create your own, it's going to be fine. You're not going to lose all of these patients and, you know, it's not so scary and you probably don't need the seller. Um, mm -hmm. There's always a situation, always a situation, but I had some practices that um, heck my partner owned. We went through six dentists inside two years. The practice grew like crazy. It's mm -hmm. just the conversations that you have with the patients and team uh, are what matter. Um, and, and, and hygiene, frankly, to me almost has more goodwill than any, any, any of it, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. So anyways, getting off, uh, the, the, the railroad here, any final comments just on the acquisition vein? Um, I it's thank you for, uh, being on and giving us access to that, that report. I mean, honestly, if you just did that, download the report, it's like so much value right there, but any last nuggets that you'd throw into this conversation from an acquisition perspective? So, I mean, if, if you're here listening to this and you're thinking about acquiring an office, I mean, just recognize that you're already so far ahead of, of everyone else, right? I mean, not only are you thinking about this and I'm sure you're anxious, but you're actually seeking good advice, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think Mike, you've done a great job about bringing people on that, that have something useful to say. But I think at the end of the day, it's recognizing, hey, who's actually providing value, right? Like Keen Waters, even with consultants, where how do we recognize that this person is creating value over their fee? And buyer's rep is, can definitely be one of those no-brainers, right? Because you, you make that decision, um, hopefully only once to buy a practice. Right. And, you know, on, on our end, which is basically like a CFOs, I mean, some of these things that didn't get ironed out during your buyer's experience are kind of chronic issues that pop up. You know, you bought into a C Corp or something, you know, happened, right? Your, your seller's work back was actually two years or something like this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just want everyone who, who's listening to this to first of all, appreciate like you're doing a great job. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think financing being what it is now, um, just have some courage and recognize that, you know, if, if it's the practice feels right, if it's in the right school district, if everything feels right, um, and, you know, net of debt service, you're still going to be taken care of and the practice is going to be working for you. Like, you practice ownership is the most wonderful thing, right? Um, you get to be your own boss, uh, run your own tax strategy, you know, in the end, make way more money, definitely being a practice owner than an associate. Um, so uh, I, I would just encourage everyone to, to keep on the track that they are and just connect with the right folks. Well said, man. I Pro ownership is, is a theme on the show. You echoed it. Uh, and thank you for thanking the audience because you're right. I mean, it, it, it's so amazing that like the statistic of like, if you have a DDS or a DMD behind your name, that 60% or something go into ownership for themselves. 
And here and mm-hmm. here, you and me like love biz, business. I, I got my MBA, finally went into business for myself, not not too, too long ago. But if like I bet you if you look at statistics of MBAs, like people that have MBA behind their name, and how many of those go into ownership versus DDS or DMD that go to ownership, it's it's probably like awesome. That's I, I always admire our clients because they don't have business training, but they go into business. And um, I think that's super cool. So those that, uh, that haven't, I echo what he said and that that's get in, it, it's got huge upside and get, get the right people around you that you trust and know what they're doing that, you know, that, that will hold your hand through the process. So super awesome. Th- th- dude, thanks so much. It's always so good to, to see you. Um, I am going to be putting uh, all kinds of information below. Uh, how, do, how do folks get a hold of you if they wanted to? Yeah, so uh, canewaters.com. Uh, you can go to our contact page and just put in a web uh, web form. Um, if you email info at canewaters.com, that comes to my team and, and that'll find its way to me as well. Um, and, and for anyone just, just wanting to talk things through, I mean, I would say 50% of the conversations I, I have with, with, with doctors is, is not necessarily saying that the keen waters is a, is a fix for what ails them. Right. It's just kind of talking through what's on their mind. I mean, we, we travel and talk at dozens of dental schools, residency, residency programs, folks that aren't going to be in a position to hire us for five, six, seven years, but really just we're, we're happy to have those conversations really. So um, info at keenwaters.com, keenwaters.com contact form. Uh, definitely check out the benchmark reports. If you think you're in a position to benefit from what we do, um, we've got a promo running to the end of the year for new clients and we're always happy to chat. It's awesome, man. Well, I think that teases up for a shutdown here. Thank you so much for being a part of it, my friend and folks reach out. He just gave you the go ahead, do it. You won't uh, regret it. And I think uh, you'll, you'll learn, uh, you'll learn something every time you're on the phone with them. So thanks again for being a part of the program, brother. We'll, we'll talk soon. Good to see you, Mike. Tune in next time for another truth-filled episode of Acquisition Unscripted. We want to hear from you. Interact with your host, Michael Dencio. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Comment and subscribe.